0: Part 3 of Shadows in Zambula by Robert E. Howard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 3 Black Hands Gripping. With an oath the Cimmerian smote the wall a terrific blow with the pommel of his sword, and the marble cracked and chipped. But the hidden door did not give way and reason told him that doubtless it had been bolted on the other side of the wall. Turning, he sprang across the chamber to one of the ivory doors. He lifted his sword to shatter the panels, but on a venture tried the door first with his left hand. It swung open easily, and he glared into a long corridor that curved away into dimness under the weird light of censers similar to those in the shrine. A heavy gold bolt showed on the jamb of the door, and he touched it lightly with his fingertips. The faint warmness of the metal could have been detected only by a man whose faculties were akin to those of a wolf. That bolt had been touched, and therefore drawn, within the last few seconds. The affair was taking on more and more the aspect of a baited trap. He might have known Tot Trosmek would know when anyone entered the temple. To enter the corridor would undoubtedly be to walk into whatever trap the priest had set for him, but Conan did not hesitate. Somewhere in that dim-lit interior, Zabibi was a captive, and from what he knew of the characteristics of the Hanuman priests, he was sure that she needed help badly. Conan stalked into the corridor with a pantherish tread, poised to strike right or left. On his left ivory-arched doors opened into the corridor, and he tried each in turn. All were locked. He had gone perhaps seventy-five feet when the corridor bent sharply to the left, describing the curve the girl had mentioned. A door opened into this curve, and it gave under his hand. He was looking into a broad, square chamber, somewhat more clearly lighted than the corridor. Its walls were of white marble, the floor of ivory, the ceiling of fretted silver. He saw divans of rich satin, gold-worked footstools of ivory, a disc-shaped table of some massive metal-like substance. On one of the divans a man was reclining, looking toward the door. He laughed as he met the Cimmerian's startled glare. The man was naked, except for a loincloth and high-strapped sandals. He was brown-skinned, with close-cropped black hair and restless black eyes that set off a broad, arrogant face. In girth and breadth, he was enormous with huge limbs on which the great muscles swelled and rippled at each slightest movement. His hands were the largest Conan had ever seen. The assurance of gigantic physical strength colored his every action and inflection. "'Why not enter, barbarian?' he called mockingly, with an exaggerated gesture of invitation." Conan's eyes began to smolder ominously, but he trod warily into the chamber, his sword ready. "'Who the devil are you?' he growled. "'I am bal Pitor," the man answered. "'Once long ago in another land I had another name. "'But this is a good name, and why Tot gave it to me "'any temple wench can tell you.' So you're his dog, grunted Conan. Well, curse your brown hide, Balpator. Where's the wench you jerked through the wall? My master entertains her, laughed Balpator. Listen! From beyond the door opposite the one by which Conan had entered, there sounded a woman's scream, faint and muffled in the distance. Blast your soul! Conan took a stride toward the door, then wheeled with his skin tingling. Baal pator was laughing at him, and that laugh was edged with menace that made the hackles rise on Conan's neck and sent a red wave of murder-lust driving across his vision. He started towards Baal pator the knuckles on his sword hands showing white. With a swift motion the brown man threw something at him a shining crystal sphere that glistened in the weird light. Conan dodged instinctively, but miraculously the globe stopped short in midair, a few feet from his face. It did not fall to the floor. It hung suspended as if by invisible filaments some five feet above the floor. And as he glared in amazement, it began to rotate with growing speed, and, as it revolved, it grew, expanded, became nebulous. It filled the chamber. It enveloped him. It blotted out furniture, walls, the smiling countenance of Bal-Patar. He was lost in the midst of a blinding bluish blur of whirling speed. Terrific winds screamed past Conan, tugging, tearing at him, striving to wrench him from his feet, to drag him into the vortex that spun madly before him. With a choking cry Conan lurched backward, reeled, felt the solid wall against his back. At the contact the illusion ceased to be. The whirling titanic sphere vanished like a bursting bubble. Conan reeled upright in the silver-ceilinged room, with the gray mist coiling about his feet and saw Balpator lolling on the divan, shaking with silent laughter. Son of a slut! Conan lunged at him, but the mist swirled up from the floor, blotting out that giant brown form. Groping in a rolling cloud that blinded him, Conan felt a rending sensation of dislocation, and then room and mist and brown man were gone together. He was standing alone among the high reeds of a marshy fen, and a buffalo was lunging at him head down. He leaped aside from the ripping scimitar-curved horns, and drove his sword in behind the foreleg, through ribs and heart. And then it was not a buffalo dying there in the mud, but a brown-skinned balpator. With a curse Conan struck off his head, and the head soared from the ground and snapped beast-like tusks into his throat. For all his mighty strength he could not tear it loose. He was choking, strangling. Then there was a rush and roar through space, the dislocating shock of an immeasurable impact, and he was back in the chamber with Baal Pator whose head was once more set firmly on his shoulders, and who laughed silently at him from the divan. Mesmerism, muttered Conan, crouching and digging his toes hard against the marble. His eyes blazed. This brown dog was playing with him, making sport of him. But this mummery, this child's play of mists and shadows of thought, it could not harm him. He had but to leap and strike, and the brown acolyte would be a mangled corpse under his heel. This time he would not be fooled by shadows of illusion. But he was. A blood-curdling snarl sounded behind him, and he wheeled and struck in a flash at the panther crouching to spring on him from the metal-colored table. Even as he struck, the apparition vanished, and his blade clashed deafeningly on the adamantine surface. Instantly he sensed something abnormal. The blade stuck to the table. He wrenched at it savagely. It did not give. This was no mesmeristic trick. The table was a giant magnet. He gripped the hilt with both hands, when a voice at his shoulder brought him about to face the brown man, who had at last risen from the divan. Slightly taller than Conan and much heavier, Balpatar loomed before him, a daunting image of muscular development. His mighty arms were unnaturally long and his great hands opened and closed, twitching convulsively. Conan released the hilt of his imprisoned sword and fell silent, watching his enemy through slitted lids. "'Your head, Cimmerian,' taunted Balpator. "'I shall take it with my bare hands, twisting it from your shoulders as the head of a fowl is twisted.' Thus the sons of Kosala offer sacrifice to Yajor. Barbarian, you look upon a strangler of Yota Pong. I was chosen by the priests of Yangor in my infancy, and throughout childhood, boyhood and youth I trained in the art of slaying with the naked hands, for only thus are the sacrifices enacted. Yanjor loves blood, and we waste not a drop from the victim's veins. When I was a child, they gave me infants to throttle. When I was a boy, I strangled young girls. As a youth, women, old men, and young boys. Not until I reached my full manhood was I given a strong man to slay on the altar of Yotapong. For years I offered the sacrifices to Yajor. Hundreds of necks have snapped between these fingers. He worked them before the Cimmerian's angry eyes. Why I fled the Yotapong to become Totrasmek's servant is of no concern of yours. In a moment you will be beyond curiosity. The priests of Kosala, the stranglers of Yajor, Are strong beyond the belief of men, and I was stronger than any. With my hands, barbarian, I shall break your neck." And like the stroke of twin cobras, the great hands closed on Conan's throat. The Cimmerian made no attempt to dodge or fend them away but his own hands darted to the Kosalin's bull-neck. Balpitor's black eyes widened as he felt the thick cords of muscles that protected the barbarian's throat. With a snarl he exerted his inhuman strength, and knots and lumps and ropes of thews rose along his massive arms. And then a choking gasp burst from him, as Conan's fingers locked on his throat. For an instant, they stood there like statues, their faces masks of effort, veins beginning to stand out purply on their temples. Conan's thin lips drew back from his teeth in a grinning snarl. Bald eyes were distended. In them grew an awful surprise and the glimmer of fear. Both men stood motionless as images, except for the expanding of their muscles on rigid arms and braced legs. But strength beyond common conception was warring there, strength that might have uprooted trees and crushed the skulls of bullocks. The wind whistled suddenly from between Balpatar's parted teeth. His face was growing purple. Fear flooded his eyes. His thews seemed ready to burst from his arms and shoulders, yet the muscles of the Cimmerian's thick neck did not give. They felt like masses of woven iron cords under his desperate fingers. But his own flesh was giving way under the iron fingers of the Cimmerian, which ground deeper and deeper into the yielding throat muscles, "'crushing them in upon jugular and windpipe. "'The statuesque immobility of the group gave way to sudden frenzied motion. "'As the Kasalan began to wrench and heave, seeking to throw himself backward, "'he let go of Conan's throat and grasped his wrists, "'trying to tear away those inexorable fingers. "'With a sudden lunge, Conan bore him backward "'until the small of his back crashed against the table.' And still farther over its edge, Conan bent him back and back until his spine was ready to snap. Conan's low laugh was merciless as the ring of steel. (laughs) You fool, he all but whispered. I think you never saw a man from the West before. "'Did you deem yourself strong because you were able to twist the heads off civilized folk, "'poor weaklings with muscles like rotted string? "'Hell, break the neck of a wild Cimmerian bull before you call yourself strong. "'I did that before I was a full-grown man, like this.' "'And with a savage wrench he twisted Balpator's head around,' until the ghastly face leered over his left shoulder and the vertebrae snapped like a rotten branch. Conan hurled the flopping corpse to the floor, turned to the sword again and gripped the hilt with both hands, bracing his feet against the floor. Blood trickled down his broad breast from the wounds Balpator's fingernails had torn in the skin of his neck. His black hair was damp, Sweat ran down his face, and his chest heaved. For all his vocal scorn of bal strength, he had almost met his match in the inhuman Kosalan. But without pausing to catch his breath, he exerted all his strength in a mighty wrench that tore the sword from the magnet where it clung. Another instant, and he had pushed open the door, from behind which the scream had sounded, And was looking down a long straight corridor lined with ivory doors the other end was masked by a rich velvet curtain and from beyond that curtain came the devilish strains of such music as conan had never heard not even in nightmares it made the short hairs bristle on the back of his neck mingled with it was the panting hysterical sobbing of a woman Grasping his sword firmly, he glided down the corridor. End of Part 3